0: We'll start at James chapter five, beginning at verse
1: thirteen. Yeah, page eight hundred and fifty six. Starting at verse thirteen. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins.
0: Uh, Friends, let's just bow in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We pray that uh, we would not be like people who just look at your word and then forget about it, but rather that we would be people whose lives are changed, whose priorities are changed, whose actions are changed. So we pray for ourselves now and we pray for the children in in Sunday school that you would uh, free our minds from distractions. Help us to focus on what uh, your word is saying to us and lead us into all truth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, friends, uh, the passage that's before us today is one which uh, arouses uh, strong feelings, Uh, and it's because it it touches on an area of our lives which we uh, sometimes find is loaded with emotion, and that is the area of our health. Now, of course, if... uh, Uh, For many of us, our health is not something which we particularly get emotional about. I mean, when you're as fit as a fiddle, uh, when things are going fine, uh, then the odd cold or cough or uh, flu or the headache, you know, no big deal. But uh, if you're a Christian who is uh, suffering from a major uh, illness, Uh, if you're suffering from something which is quite debilitating, even life-threatening, then James chapter 5 takes on a a different kind of significance for us. Let me show you why. Uh, I wonder if you'd care to open up your Bibles at James 5, and you'll find that on page 856 in your pew Bibles. Let me read to you from verse 14. Verse 14 says this. It says... Uh, if is any of you sick he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the lord will raise him up and so on now uh, you can see why this verse may be very significant for someone who is really really sick can't you so it kind of leaps off the page at you, doesn't it? Because on first glance, it appears to promise that um, so long as this process is followed, and that is that the, the elders are called, the elders uh, pray over the sick person, they pray with faith, uh, that they anoint the, uh, the sick person with oil, then what's going to happen to the sick person? The sick person will be made well. They will be made well. The Lord will raise them up. It's not a uh, question of um, might be. Uh, it's a question that they they will be. That they will be made well. Now, there are some obvious uh, problems which have arisen from the way people have understood this passage and the way that people have applied the passage over, the, over time. Uh, for example, on the basis of this passage, there are... Christians, and you may have even come across certain Christians who have decided that they don't need medicines anymore, um, that they've uh, thrown away their medicines because all you need is elders anointing with oil uh, and praying with faith. Uh, I read uh, a few years back a newspaper article reported that in one year in America that at least 16 people were known to have died because they threw out their medicines. Uh, one was a diabetic who uh, uh, tossed away his insulin on the on the belief that if he prayed enough and with enough faith that he would be healed. Um, I read a testimony from one Sydney woman whose two boys were born with autism and at the church they attended they were told that if she and her husband prayed with enough faith that the Uh, according to the passage, their boys uh, would be healed. Um, They prayed, but the boys were not healed. And therefore, their lack of faith was responsible for their boys' lack of healing. Listen to what the mother said, and I quote. She said, for us who had tremendous family pressures because of our children, and we can't imagine how hard that would be, uh, for us who had tremendous family pressures because of our children, it was almost too much to be, to be told that we should have faith for healing. The feeling was that these people had a special blessing from God that we had somehow missed out on. And the proof of this was that our children were disabled. Really. What are we to make of the passage? What about those... 16 people who died trying to follow follow the passage. Uh, What about the two boys that were disabled and the effect that had on the parents? How should we understand James chapter 5? That's the issue today. And uh, It's a complex passage but uh, hopefully we'll get a a bit of an overview and clear away some misconceptions. Uh, Before we get too far into it, I I do want to just sort of clarify a couple of things in the passage. And first of all, uh, sometimes when prayer is offered and no healing takes place, uh, the sick person is said to be at fault because it's their lack of faith. Or the parents of the sick people are told to be at fault because it's their lack of faith. But if you look carefully at the passage, um, whose lack of faith would be in question? It's the the elders, isn't it? Uh, It's because it's the elders who offer up the prayer in faith, or the prayer of faith. Uh, And so it's the the spiritual leaders of the church, not the sick person's faith that would be in question. But secondly, what does it mean to anoint with oil? I think that's a good question to ask because uh, we can make some um, assumptions about that, but not necessarily what's uh, intended in uh, James chapter five. Uh, On the basis of this passage, there are some churches that have devised some fairly elaborate um, rituals and ceremonies uh, for the sake of people who are um, are sick or even even dying. Uh, Ceremonies which have involved um, uh, special oil, oil that has been specially blessed uh, by special people uh, being used where it's believed that a just a dab of this oil on the person uh, has some kind of a mystical or spiritual effect. In fact, it's led to the Roman Catholic uh, view of uh, the last rites, uh, then, and this is what happens at the last rites, which is quite interesting because the very nature of the last rites is the person isn't going to be healed, they're about to die, but that's where it comes from. However, I think the issue here is a whole lot simpler than that, because in the ancient world, uh, what was oil used for? It it was was actually common medicine. Uh, That's what it was used for. It was used for its uh, therapeutic value. Um, Typically, uh, the kind of oil it's used would be olive oil or um, expensive myrrh or, or balsam, the oil that comes from the balsam wood. And uh, oil was was poured on or was uh, uh, rubbed into a person in order to penetrate deeply uh, because experience had shown that oil, uh, when it is applied in that way, had the effect of soothing uh, and imparting strength and imparting uh, even beauty if you look more beautiful, uh, but uh, also uh, health implications. And um, you see that throughout the scriptures. Uh, Gilead in the northeast was uh, uh, famous for its oils and they talk about the balm of Gilead. Um, Very, very helpful. um, uh, Balming, uh, therapeutic oils. Because of the therapeutic value of oil, over time it took on a... um, uh, more of us. It also took on a symbolic significance, so that it was then used uh, in uh, ceremonies such as the um, person being made a king. Because um, oil was seen as being such good stuff, they would actually pour oil on a person uh, in order to uh, symbolise them being made a king. In the New Testament, there are two words which are translated as to anoint. Two words in in the Greek. And one of those words uh, is the word which is uh, used when oil is being used to make a person a king. And uh, that's the word which we we derive the word Christ from, actually, the anointed one. The other word uh, is used to describe the application of oil as common medicine and that's the word which is used here in James chapter five Uh, and so to anoint may mean the application sometimes does here it does means the application of oil for therapeutic values Um, by the way that's why we use the word ointment that's where it comes from what's ointment it's a oily substance with therapeutic value that we used for medicinal therapeutic uh, reasons. I, I anoint myself regularly. I get I get headaches. I get stress headaches, and it's it's often because of real tension in my neck muscles. And Cassie's got this U mute Chinese stuff, um, which is um, it's a I don't know what what kind of oils are in it, but it's 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 fantastic. It comes in a little little bottle and I just, you know, <clears throat> when I'm trying to get rid of a headache, like I did this morning, if I would do it quickly, I'd just pop a couple of neurophins. But if I want to do it properly, I get out this ointment and I rub it up and down my neck and it just penetrates and uh, it's great stuff. And before long, I don't, I feel much better. I don't feel sick. It's just a, com- we use it today, don't we? The, the, good, the other common um, substance that was used as, for medicinal reasons was, um, was wine. Uh, you know, the Good Samaritan, when he treated the fellow who was, had been bashed up, what, what were the two substances that he used? Uh, he used wine and oil. Uh, that's what he applied to this guy to make him feel better. Paul was writing to Timothy, and he gives him some personal advice. He said, look, because of these stomach problems that you've been having. Um, just drink less water and drink more wine. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I think it's reasonably simple, actually, what it's saying here. All that James is saying in verse 14 is that the leaders of the church should be called by the sick person so that they can pray and they can bring some medicine which in their day was oil for ointment. Um, and so in our context, I, it seems to me that uh, the responsible thing for church leaders to be doing when someone's unwell is to actually pray for them and make sure that they've got the right med- medicine and medical help that they need, which of course is far more advanced for us now. I don't think there's anything mystical about the oil um, in this context. But what about this unequivocal promise of healing? Because that's tricky as well, isn't it? Or, or of being made well, as it says there. Uh, when, we, when we read this passage, we tend to focus on the connection between prayer and healing. But there is another connection in this passage as well, which we sometimes we often neglect, and that's the connection between sin and sickness let me show you Um, verse 15 have a look at it verse 15 and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well the Lord will raise him up if he has sinned he will be forgiven see the connection there Here's another thing, which is, again, you can blame Mike Rader for this, for teaching me Greek. Um, you know how, uh, in English, in any language, I think that one word can have multiple, reason, um, multiple meanings and uh, sometimes it's just context that helps you to work out what meaning it has in that particular uh, context. Uh, well it's the same you know just like the word anoint it's the same here in this verse because the uh, the Greek word which is translated here as to um uh, to make this to make well the sick person uh, well it it may actually um, it, it actually literally means to save it's the same word that's used. Uh, when uh, the Bible speaks about being saved from our sin, being saved by Jesus. Uh, it's a it's a word called sozo, that's the word. Um, and it, it may mean uh, to be saved from sickness, uh, that is to be made well, or it may mean to be saved from sin, that is to be forgiven. And uh, the NIV has made a decision to translate it as to be made well. Other translations just leave it um, quite literal. So the uh, King James Version and the English Standard Version, for example, they simply translate it as something like this, the prayer offered in faith will save the sick person. And so you've then got to decide whether that's salvation from sickness or salvation from sin. And so the passage actually helps us here. If you have a look at verse 16, in verse 16 it says, Therefore, what should you do? You should confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And actually the word healed here can only be used to mean healed from sickness. So you've got this sort of unusual situation in verse 15 that the sick person will be saved and in verse 16 that the sinful person will be healed uh, there's a, there's an obvious connection there isn't there uh, between sickness um, sin sickness healing forgiveness uh, and so on which i think helps us to make sense of the passage and the application of it um, the James then goes on in verses 17 to 18 by pointing us to the prophet Elijah. Now you remember Elijah? Elijah lived in the um, northern kingdom after the Israel had been split between the southern and the northern kingdoms. And he lived at a time when the northern kingdom was ruled by King King Ahab with his delightful wife, Queen Jezebel. And Jezebel had introduced a lot of pagan worship, and the northern kingdom really was um, saturated in Baal worship. And in 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah prayed for a judgment on the northern kingdom, and I would call this a a judgment of um, a, a healing judgment. In a sense, it's like a judgment of mercy. <laughs> because he prayed for a drought so that the people might be humbled and turn back to God. And a bit later he prayed for the end of the drought and uh, it's another story. But uh, you can see there he's acted in prayer for the sake of the honour of God and for the sake of bringing people back to God. And so there's a connection between what James says about Elijah and what he then says in application to us. Because in verse 19 he says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So that's the overview. And, uh, you know, I trust that you can see a little bit about what the passage is about. Uh, There is sin uh, followed by sickness, followed by the ministry of the church leaders, uh, followed by confession of sin, prayer for forgiveness and salvation, and being made well. Um, that's kind of the overview. Now, the Bible does speak about a connection between sin and sickness. I mean, first of all, it's, um, sickness affects us all uh, simply because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world uh, where Adam has uh, rebelled against God and we've inherited the sin of Adam. Uh, It is because of human sin, it is because of the fall of Adam that sickness and death have entered into the world. And so that's why we all get sick. We share that in common with all of humanity. That's why we die as well. In the end, we all die of something malfunctioning, (laughs) wearing out or uh, whatever. And as Christians, we therefore look forward to heaven, don't we? Where there is no sickness, where there is no death, because there is no sin, we look forward to the uh, to the the new body, the perfect body, that uh, the Lord will give us on that day. And so that's the teaching of the Bible that sin affects that sickness affects all people because of sin having entered into the world. But secondly, the Bible also points us to the reality that sometimes God causes a person to become sick in response to a specific sin that they are committing. Um, we've just finished um, the book of Exodus uh, early on. And, uh, you know, think about the, um, the boils, the plague of boils on the, on the Egyptians. That was... That 's a sickness isn 't it? I wake up tomorrow morning i 'm covered in boils i 'm feeling pretty sick, but it was we know that that was in response to pharaoh 's rejection of god 's word. It was a, a judgment that was taking place um, the, the church in corinth uh, interesting kind of church lots of lots of messy stuff going on there. There was some guy who was having off with his father 's wife, and there was some um, Congregation members were taking other congregation members to court. Uh, When they gathered together for uh, the supper of the Lord, which um, really in the New Testament, that's actually a a meal that you'd have together as the church family. Uh, Well, there were some people that were living it up and having a great feast. Others didn't have enough food. And uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 says, actually you ought to examine yourself before you partake of this meal and because of your sin, in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter uh, chapter 11, verse 30, uh, that's why some of you are sick and that's why some of you have even died. So you need to repent of this. So it's a specific sin causing sickness in that congregation. Um, And in the the ancient world, uh, in particularly in, in Israel, and, uh, it was commonly thought that if a person became sick, that they'd actually need to think about what was going on in their lives. Some even thought that uh, all sickness was somehow connected with a person's individual sin. So, John chapter nine. Remember, Jesus and his disciples they came across a fellow who was um, who was blind. But this really messed with the heads of the disciples because they couldn't figure out why. What sin he'd committed to cause him to be blind because he was actually born blind? So they were thinking, well, couldn't be his sin. Was it his parents' sin? And Jesus, of course, has said, no, it's none of that. This man was born blind for another reason, that the glory of God would be seen through him. Think about Job's friends. You know, Job, his whole world had fallen down around him, lost his family, lost his possessions, lost his health, And yet his friends, they were saying that there was some sin that he'd committed that was causing this. So they were mistaken, weren't they, in their diagnosis because there was a completely different reason why God had caused Job uh, to, allow Job to suffer that sickness. And that was a testing in relation to what Satan had said to the Lord about Job's faith. However, so there's the mistakes that people have made in the Bible, uh, always assuming that there's a specific sin that's caused this sickness. I don't think that's the mistake that we're likely to make, is it? I reckon we're more, far more likely to make the exact opposite mistake, and that is that when someone is sick, or even when we're sick, do we even think of the possibility that that might be because of a specific sin that has been committed? <coughs> I don't think so. I don't. Th- well, maybe you're more godly than I am in that respect. Um, but uh, it's certainly not my, ex- you know, my evaluation of myself in that regard is I don't normally come to that, uh, even think about that issue. And yet in this passage we are confronted by the possibility that it may in fact be the case. Um, Over the years, uh, myself and other elders and other leaders in the various churches where I've been serving uh, have on occasions ministered to someone who is sick and the thought has not even crossed our minds that there might be something else going on in the person's life that is causing this. And that this is actually God a wake-up call from God uh, for them in respect to. Uh, and yet um, sometime later we've discovered that around the time of the sickness that the person was actually involved in in, in serious, unrepentant sin. And understanding the nature of the sickness and the sin, the connection uh, started to become pretty clear. And we found ourselves pastoring not so much to sickness, but rather to sin. Had we understood the teaching of James 5 better, we may have well actually made some gentle inquiries and actually asked what was going on in other areas of life, which uh, may have helped us to diagnose the problem better and um, deal with the sin before it got worse, have less mess to clean up afterwards. Let me draw out a couple of implications before we wrap this up. The first implication is this, that in our ministry to each other, whether we're elders or not, uh, we really ought not to shy away from dealing with sin. Um, The person, you know, if you do ask the searching question, uh, you you may well be accused of not minding your own business um, or being judgmental and so on but that would probably be because you've actually asked the right question. You uh, see, so what does verse 19 say? It speaks of the person who has wandered from the truth. Now, wandering from the truth of God by, uh, by sin in, 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 our, in a person's life will, will also mean sometimes wandering away from being truthful to one another. But if someone loves and cares for the, the sick person sufficiently to ask the questions and to address the issue, if someone should bring the person back to God, in verse 19, what have they done? They have saved the person. They've saved the person's soul from death. It's the same word as, to, as the word it's earlier used as to make well. They've saved the person. Uh, spiritually their sin will be covered uh, the clear promise in the passage in verse 15 and in verse 16 is that the person who is sick because of specific sin who turns back to God will be saved because Jesus died for them and his death friends, covers over a multitude of sins all sins and in verse 16, they may be healed, Lord willing, as we talked about last week. Um, on some occasions, the responsibility to confront sin will fall upon uh, elders in a church. And, uh, and that's why elders must be men like Elijah, uh, men of prayer, men who have deep uh, concern for, for God's honour. Uh, men who have a, a willingness to confront sin, uh, no matter the cost to them personally, and men who are willing to, who have a desire to, to save others. Uh, and so uh, there's, a, there's a backbone, there's a spiritual backbone that's required here for elders. Must be men like Elijah. Uh, but finally, the passage actually does not place the onus on the elders, does it? Uh, Because who is the onus upon? The onus is upon the person who who is sick, the person whose sickness particularly uh, has been caused by sin. Have a look at verse 16. It's a really important verse. In verse 16, James says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, confess our sins to one another that's hard, isn't it? you know um uh, I think what's this this is not about walking into a into a box with someone on the other side of a curtain who can't even see you and confessing that you've sinned and being told what you know. It's not about that. This really um, is uh, predicated on the idea of relationships. That as a church, that we're not, we're not just here for a, an hour on Sundays. Uh, we, we're a, a community of people. We're a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and to, be, to have a healthy church life, uh, will mean that we actually really interact with one another and get to know one another and love and care for one another, that we build relationships. If you're not building relationships with the church family, you actually need to start building those relationships uh, because here, if we are to confess our sins to one another, then it actually means talking to someone who you know, uh, who you know loves you, someone who is trustworthy and godly, and someone who you can actually open up to and say, hey, I need some help here. There's an area in my life where I'm sinning and um, I just need to get that out into the open. I need to talk to someone because I need your help. I need your prayers. I need your guidance. And we can do that for one another uh, so long as we actually know one another and love one another and trust one another. I'm not going to go and confess my sins to someone who I barely know or someone who doesn't particularly care for me. But to have that kind, those kind of relationships, that, that closeness of relationship actually enables that to take place. And it may be that there's you know, one, two or three people in the church who you would really feel confident to be able to do that with. I encourage those kind of relationships and um, for us to be building those relationships so that in our struggle with sin that we can be praying for one another because we know what it is that needs prayer for. That we can be helping one another to repent and to grow in godliness but it takes relationship it takes honesty it takes trust in a time of sickness or in a time of health to say to a fellow christian i've actually got a spiritual problem which i think is causing this sickness and um i'm involved in sin i need your help i need your prayer Isaiah 53 is really interesting in this regard because Isaiah 53 says of Jesus, the punishment that brought us peace was upon his shoulders and by his wounds we have been healed. Spiritual healing. Let us avail ourselves of the healing of salvation. Let us be honest with one another about how our lives are really going in terms of our sin. And let us not be so shy that, um, that we would shy away from lovingly asking the delicate question to someone whom we love in the church. For remember the promise here, whoever turns a sinner from his way saves his soul from death. Well, that's kind of the end of James, but not the end of the series. I... I felt that um, because of the uh, illustration that James gives there of Elijah uh, being a man of faith and prayer, and, that the, and the, the prayer of faith being so powerful, that uh, we actually ought to take the opportunity, not miss the opportunity, to do a bit of thinking about prayer and Elijah. So we're going to do that next week before we wrap up this uh, series on James. Let me just lead us in prayer now, though. Father in heaven, uh, we uh, come to you today acknowledging that we, uh, we don't always, we're not always honest about our sin and that sometimes we uh, may actually experience sickness as a, a healing judgment from yourself to, as a wake-up call for us to turn back to you Father, we pray that um, you would give us uh, such a a closeness as a family of your people that uh, we would so know and love and trust one another that we can open up and talk about these things. Help us to be people of such love for holiness and love for one another that we wouldn't shy away from um, asking those questions and uh, helping one another to repent Father, we thank you for the incredible wisdom that we find in your word and we pray that it would really shape our lives as individuals and as a church Uh, and we do so to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. message scott that's uh certainly direct and something to think about isn't it and uh confessing our sins to each other that's a bit scary i I remember